Today I would like to share this talk with the same focus that pretty much every other Dharma talk I've heard in this Zendo presents. What is practice? What is practice in daily life? What is Zazen? How do we unfold the heart of awakening? As practitioners, each of us is called to live into these questions. In living out these questions, there's room for creativity. There's room for mystery. There's room for forgiveness and repentance. There's room for all of the textures of our life. It's not the case that these sincere questions, what is Zen, what is Buddha Dharma, what do I do, belong exclusively to the realm of ideas and words that we can speak. It is much more profound and wide than our limited views. Yet having a framework to orient ourselves to live out right view or beneficial view is helpful. Thus, I want to explore three attitudes, three minds that Dogen Zenji recommends to those who want to live wholehearted lives. The three are joyful mind, parental mind, or kind mind, and great mind, or magnanimous mind, or vast mind. But I think let's roll with great today. Dogen celebrates these three minds in his essay, Tenzo Kyokun, or Instructions to the Cook of the Monastery. Um, let me say, I think for now, I prefer to call the three minds, three attitudes. Um, on the surface, the word mind seems to not include the elements of physical expression. And these three attitudes are very much so about what we do, how we express ourselves, our posture. And I'm meaning this word posture in a wider definition than just our body's position, though, of course, that's included. Let's look at this first attitude, joyful mind. Dogen's first statement is, joyful mind is the mind that rejoices. How many times have I complained about some small thing and ignored the abundance and immeasurable gifts of my life. Many times. Complaining happens on a spectrum, and part of our task as practitioners is to notice when an afflictive state, like complaining, is happening. And then we can see the other side of the situation, or practice gratitude for another aspect of our lives. 
or perhaps cultivate gratitude for the very thing that we're complaining about. And this kind of shift can be difficult. There are many contradictions in life. Great suffering, of course, happens. Great injustices happen. And if we attempt the practice of rejoicing, we're more likely to taste the fruit of rejoicing. Let's stay honed in on the embodied real process of actualizing this attitude of joyful mind. Joyful mind is about appreciating this body that functions. Hallelujah. I'm thinking of breathing. In the midst of great stress, one full mindful breath can be a great gift of peace. Or rather, it is a great gift of peace. When we become aware of the suffering of negativity, the suffering of complaining, we have an opportunity to see what is actually going on. What is a thought actually? How much weight do we give our negative thoughts? How much are we creating unnecessarily? When we see clearly that negative states are not so solid, just like anything else is not so solid, then there is space for negative states to be released, or we could say, liberate themselves. For we are not as firmly planted in the command chair of life as we might like to think we are. Thoughts liberate themselves. How do we see clearly this flow that I'm speaking about? My experience sitting in meditation is quite helpful. A couple weeks ago, I visited my sister for a few days, which was great. And I didn't do any formal seated meditation on that trip. So I want to suggest that there's some causality to um, what I'm about to say. As it was wrapping up, And upon my return to the monastery, I noticed an old habit of wanting to concretize my thoughts about myself and the world. This reification can of worms seemed to arise at least partially out of um, neglecting mindfulness, neglecting alertness. But I recall being able to be alert to this gradated process of believing my thoughts, like I'm failing in such and such a way, or they think such and such about me. And I want to try to describe 
how this is a gradated process, like it, it, it happens, there are moments in time where we can interrupt our suffering moments. Um, I tried to think of an image and I don't know, for some reason I wanted to talk about a Venus flytrap, like it's about to shut, but, and it does it really fast it seems, but we can, you know, interrupt that's closure. So these thoughts that I was investing in, I'm failing or they think badly of me. Um, I was alert enough to be able to interrupt and release the energy that takes me down the road towards suffering, strife, craziness. So I rejoice in the opportunity to clearly see and clearly look at what causes suffering and what is actually true. In my experience so far, any iteration of the thoughts, they think such and such about me is never completely true. People think and say, all kinds of things, and then we forget our judgments or change our minds or see that our thoughts are inherited from somewhere. Dogen goes on in talking about joyful mind. You should think if I were born in the realm of gods, I would be attached to pleasure and would not arouse the aspiration for enlightenment nor have the opportunity to practice. Then how could I cook food to offer to the three treasures, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha? The most excellent of all things are the three treasures. He goes on, you should also think if I were born in hell, in the realms of hungry ghosts, beasts, or demons, or if I were born in the eight difficult situations, I could not with my own hands cook pure meals to offer to the three treasures, even if I were to use a monk's miraculous power. This is so because it would be my destiny to be a vessel of suffering with body and mind bound up. But since you are cooking pure meals in this lifetime, this is a life of rejoicing and a body of rejoicing. So Dogen had this specific audience in mind when he wrote or said that, but we can translate it. He's encouraging us to appreciate this precious life that we have right now. And this doesn't have to be all that grand. What do you love? Maybe you love gardens or birds or connecting with your family and friends. Dogen's audience is the tenzos that love their work, the cooks who love their work. And it's a rather refreshing attitude to practice 
Uh, I love offering my energy to my work, my environment, the things I take care of. It's frustrating and exhausting to begrudge having to work to take care of things in life. Let us not ignore the place that moments of resentment have in the scope of Dharma life, a life of practice. Sometimes when I notice myself having a resentful or narrow tone and thinking that things should be different, there is in that exact moment an invitation to appreciate the contradictory elements, the contradictory textures in life. For example, Dogen says that Zazen is the Dharma gate of joy and ease, ease and joy. But how about when I'm not feeling ease and joy? In every moment, there is, there, it's, it's thus, you can't even speak about it. Yet, it's so near that it's just calling to be loved. It has to be loved each moment of our lives. Let's hear what Dogen says about parental mind. Kind mind is parental mind. Just as parents care for their children, you should bear in mind the three treasures. Even poor or suffering people raise their children with deep love. Their hearts cannot be understood by others. This can be known only when you become a father or a mother. They do not care whether they themselves are poor or rich. Their only concern is that their children will grow up. They pay, they pay no attention to whether they themselves are cold or hot, but cover their children to protect them from the cold or shield them from the hot sun. This is extreme kindness. This is really touching. <laughs> only those who have aroused this mind can know it, and only those who practice this mind can understand it. Therefore, you should look after water and grain with compassionate care, as though tending your own children. The great master Shakyamuni Buddha gave the final 20 years of his life to protect us in this age of the decline of learning. What was his intention? He offered his parental mind to us without expecting any result or gain. that speaks for itself. I haven't been a parent, but I have been a child. Being a child is about being taken care of. 
Being a parent is about taking care. Even when we are worn down and exhausted, we continue to take care of our world. It is important to investigate underlying assumptions and views. The view I should be taken care of is a natural one. I certainly practiced that view growing up as a young person. But as adults, we step into more responsibility and we risk letting the view I should be taken care of be out of balance with the view I will take care. And we can be soft about the potential dualism that can arise in navigating these two views I'm talking about. It's not realistic or enlivening to commit to yourself something like, I am going to eradicate all moments of I should be taken care of. That would risk denying the actual needs of this human life, like supportive relationships and connection with others. In general, I appreciate having the framework of trainees, residents here at the monastery, taking on more and more responsibility as time goes on. That framework is baked into this place by two wonderful bakers, Chosen and Hogan. And our two Roshis are truly exemplars of this parental mind that we are appreciating right now. And I wish to point out that taking care, expressing kindness is being transmitted all the time here. Every time the monastery residents hear their name and bow to receive the caretaking assignment after morning chanting service, parental mind is actualized. It would be a waste of time to dwell on the comparison between vacuuming the hallways and actually raising humans into adulthood. They are different endeavors. What is important and truly a hallmark of Zen practice is responding to our actual circumstances in life, diapers or emails, woodworking or laundry, preparing meals or commuting to work. One thing I've been learning about in my time of practice here at Great Vow is parenting the inner child. There is this soft grandmother who has a warm, tender, wide embrace within me. And it's interesting to explore the gestures of embrace that this part can manifest when another part of me just crumples and says that things are bad. And these gestures can be physical, like loving touch, a smile, or on a slightly different plane. In a moment of distress, it might be a kind of voice or just a kind of 
energetic expression that addresses the concerned or afraid child within. Something like, oh dear, it seems like we, or you, whatever, whatever fits, it seems like we are having a hard time right now. It's okay. Or we can do it one day at a time or even one breath at a time if you're really struggling. All of us being present here today is an expression of taking care of the baby Buddha within in a crazy, tumultuous, hyper-stimulating and distracting mainstream culture that we are swimming in, every moment of nourishing the seeds of our vows is beneficial. Everyone. Sitting down to meditate with whatever sincerity we have available is an act of protecting the ember of our noble intentions in life our love of truth, love of kindness and clarity. Each moment we orient toward peace and beauty, non-harming and sanity, we are offering kindness in many directions. Let us appreciate for a moment the love that actual physical parents express. Think of your parents. Even if you don't like some parts of what your parents gave you, I want to emphasize and celebrate the general trend of, wow, there was or has been great, great love there. And I just want to say that there's a way in which if parents don't keep the world running, I don't know who does. Finally, great mind, magnanimous mind, vast mind. Great mind is a mind like a great mountain or a great ocean. It does not have any partiality or exclusivity. You should not regard a pound as light or a ton as heavy. Do not be attracted by the sounds of spring or take pleasure in seeing a spring garden. When you see autumn colors, do not be partial to them. You should allow the four seasons to advance in one viewing and see an ounce and a pound with an equal eye. In this way, you should study and understand the meaning of great. 
you know, I'm not 100% on board with the line, uh, don't take pleasure in seeing a spring garden. But the deeper teaching is this next line, two lines after, you should allow the four seasons to advance in one viewing. Zen teacher Shohaku Okumura says that the great mountain allows different living beings to live and grow, plants and animals, large and small, and other kinds of beings live on that mountain. Yet the mountain doesn't move. Even though in the Mountains and Waters Sutra, which is another essay by Dogen, he says mountains are moving they're moving as steady, much steadier than our emotional minds. I think this mountain image is beautiful. Maybe there's a bear that lives on your mountain. Maybe there are hundreds of thousands of pesky mosquitoes and biting flies. Maybe there's beautiful flowing water and an abundance of moss and lichen. Maybe there's a fire. The mountain is at rest amidst these surface changes. A mountain is not a doormat. Dogen is not discouraging firefighters from doing their work. But I believe he is encouraging us to not reject parts of us that actually do dwell on our mountain. This mountain mind is the mountain body stable, not moving. We can learn about this in seated meditation. All the birds and insects of thought can flit about and the mountain is the mountain. Another side of this is that there is this abiding, steady presence wherever I find myself. And it's not just my personality or my meat bag. What is it? Who am I? The great ocean does not exclude any waters that flow to it. And we are not excluding careful discernment either. To return to the parental mind, something seems to be missing or hindered when parents wish to give their kids so much and then spoil them rotten, so to speak. Shohaku Okamura's teacher, Kosho Uchiyama Roshi, shares a translation about great mind 
from Dogen. The great ocean is tolerance and views everything from the broadest perspective. It means being without prejudice and refusing to take sides. How do we cultivate the broadest perspective? One ingredient is having a posture of openness, asking questions like, what is this other person's perspective or experience? It's good to be sensitive to the huge web of cause and effect. And hopefully we are not so paralyzed by the reality that each expression of ours impacts the whole world. The world needs our vibrant, joyous, loving activity. So we share our spirit, to borrow a phrase from Shohaku Okumura, share our spirit. The final line of instructions to the cook, Tenzo Kyokun, is the abbot, officers, staff, and other monks should never forget about these three kinds of mind. And those named roles are not as essential as the words never forget. The encouragement in this line is for the audience of practitioners, meaning you. So I selected this topic not primarily for my own benefit, but definitely because I wanted to raise the likelihood of actually embodying these three attitudes. And my hope is that you also remember to embody kindness, joyfulness, vastness. Thank you.